Friends and family of Well Disguised, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode. Hope everyone is doing well. Again, I am your host, John Pritchard. I want to start this episode by telling you about the very first time I heard the song Highway Tune by Greta Van Fleet. More specifically, the first thought I had when I heard Highway Tune. I mean, I don't remember exactly where I was. My strong suspicion is I was in the same place that I am as I am recording this podcast here in the basement of my house. But I do remember the first thought. And before I tell you what that thought is, I want to talk a little bit about music and movies. If you listen to this podcast, I suspect there's a pretty good chance you watched Queen's movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, which came out, I think, in 2018 and did real well, you know, won some Oscars and that sort of thing. Heard the story or watched the story of the band and saw them playing their tunes. If you didn't watch Bohemian Rhapsody, there's a good chance maybe you watched on Netflix The Dirt, the adaptation that Jeff Tremaine of Jackass fame did in bringing the band's autobiography to, if not the silver screen, at least to your small screen. You'll watch the band learning live wire and playing some of the songs that Motley Crue made famous. Those films, though, stand in sharp contrast to a much less celebrated movie that came out last year, that being Artemis Pyle's Street Survivors. Artemis Pyle, of course, is the second drummer for Leonard Skinner. He was on the infamous plane crash that basically destroyed the band. Street Survivors is his tale of not only surviving the crash, but his time in Leonard Skinner. The problem for Artemis Pyle, though, is that the other members of what I shall just call Leonard Skinner Enterprises or Leonard Skinner Inc. didn't want him to make the movie, didn't want to support it in any way. And for that reason, there's no Leonard Skinner music in Street Survivors. He didn't have access to any of the songs that Skinner played or made famous. I think there's a version of Call Me the Breeze on it, but it's not Skinner's version. You can probably see how this is not a great outcome for the whole biopic idea. Similarly, in 2013, Andre 3000, more famously of the rap group Outkast, portrayed Jimi Hendrix in a movie. The movie was called Jimi Always By My Side. That movie did not have the support of the Jimi Hendrix estate. I think it's called uh, Experience Hendrix. So without that support, they just kind of had to make do with some sound-alike versions of songs that Jimi Hendrix played. Again, this isn't ideal. It's not going to be as pure as Bohemian Rhapsody or The Dirt or Rocket Man or whatever other slightly more authentic or at least authorized movie biopic would have. All of which brings me back to Highway Tune and Greta Van Fleet. Because the first thought I had after listening to Highway Tune was one that I liked it. I, I know I liked it when I first heard it. I still like it. But two, man, if there's ever a Led Zeppelin movie where Jimmy Page doesn't go along with it, and let's be honest, Jimmy Page probably isn't going to go along with it, they should get these guys to write and record songs so that whatever actors they get to play Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and John Paul Jones and John Bonham could at least mimic or mime to 
Greta Van Fleet's music, and it would sound sort of like Led Zeppelin. It would be close enough that it would work for maybe not a big spectacle like Bohemian Rhapsody, but at least for something on Netflix like The Dirt. Now, let me take a moment. I realize I am not a unique genius. I am not a special butterfly. I am not the first person to ever listen to Greta Van Fleet and think, hey, that sounds like Led Zeppelin. But that was also sort of a long time ago. And Greta Van Fleet has a new album coming out sometime in mid-April. So what do we make of Greta Van Fleet now in spring of 2021? That's this episode of Well Disguised. So before I get into the meat of this episode, there's three little stories slash anecdotes I wanted to highlight because they are, in some ways, the inspiration of me wanting to do an episode about a band I'm really not that crazy about. The first is an older episode, actually, of a podcast called The Hook that is hosted by Jay Scott. He and a guest, I don't remember her name, talked about Greta Van Fleet. I think it was a year and a half or so ago. I can't remember exactly. But I just recently listened to it. Jay does a tremendous podcast. He has a voice that is wonderful. You know, when I grow up, I'd like to have a show like The Hook. He does a great job. I thoroughly encourage you to go check him out. However, he is an enthusiastic supporter of Greta Van Fleet. And he made some comments on that show that I agree with, and then others I feel like I'd like to respond to. Second, a few years ago, I was listening to Eddie Trunk, and while I don't agree with everything that Eddie Trunk says, I think he needs to relax on the idea that there's not enough rock at the Super Bowl or whatever, that there's not enough rock at every award show, and that the Grammys didn't do enough for Eddie Van Halen, all that sort of stuff. Still, Eddie Trunk is a tremendous voice and supporter of much of the music that I love, and I still do respect what he says and respect his opinions. I was listening to one of his podcasts a few years ago, maybe three years ago, maybe not that long, I don't remember, and he was making the point that the three bands that matter the most for rock music going forward were Ghost, The Struts, and Greta Van Fleet. And just from Eddie Trunk saying that, that's kept Greta Van Fleet on my radar and is a band that I want to watch and take notice of. Third, it gives me an opportunity to tell a story that I wasn't actually a witness to, but my friend Dave, who was on my last episode about Alice Cooper and has been on other episodes, he did tell me, and I checked with him before recording to confirm that I had the details right. Dave, you see, was at a rock festival. I'm pretty sure it was the Carolina Rebellion, which pre-COVID 
was frequently held at the, I think they call it the Lowe's Motor Speedway, but the big NASCAR track and associated, you know, mud tracks and everything in outside Charlotte, North Carolina. And there were obviously several acts at the Carolina Rebellion. It's a big rock festival, typically has major league headliners. The one for the COVID era was supposed to be Metallica actually playing two different shows, Friday and Sunday night, completely different sets. Anyway, when Dave went, Greta Van Fleet was on the bill, but so was a band called Mutoid Man. Now, I know I've listened to Mutoid Man at some point in my life just because when Dave told me the story, I wanted to check him out, but I don't even remember exactly what Mutoid Man is. I assume it's a pretty significantly heavy band. Anyway, as part of that between-song banter, the singer for Mutoid Man was like, hey, have you checked out Greta Van Fleet? They're here. They're great. We love them. We're going to play one of their songs. And Mutoid Man broke into communication breakdown and played through the first verse and the chorus and got a big laugh. And then they stopped and said, all right, we're going back to our stuff now. As our British friends would say, they totally took the piss out of Greta Van Fleet and the similarity to Led Zeppelin. Maybe you don't like that kind of public shaming or bullying or whatever. I hope that you're more mature than that. But regardless, Mutoid Man was saying what many of us think when we hear Greta Van Fleet. And that's really what this episode is about. How fair is that? And what, if anything, is it doing to Greta Van Fleet? All right, I'm nearly 10 minutes into the podcast at this point. Perhaps there are some of you who've listened to my shows on The Rolling Stones and ACDC, and Alice Cooper, and maybe thought I got a little too modern and hip when I talked about the cult and the Black Crows. You think that metal peaked with Dokken? If you're one of those people, and you're wondering who Greta Van Fleet is, well, let me give you the briefest of biographies. Greta Van Fleet is an American rock band. They are a four-piece. They consist of three brothers. Josh Kiska is the vocalist. His brother Jake plays guitar. His brother Sam, or their brother Sam, I suppose, plays bass. And the drummer is a man by the name of Danny Wagner. Now I say man, and at this point these are all men, but they are young. Josh and Jake, I think, are 25. They may be 24. They're twins, actually. The bass slash keyboard player, their brother Sam, is three years younger than them. The drummer, Danny Wagner, he's also three years younger than them. They are a band that formed in 2012 and were having success three, four years ago. So they started really young. They got popular really young. They're still really young, to be honest. You might even call them a boy band. Now, not a boy band in the traditional, we get people to write our songs and we dance around a little bit while we sing and take our shirts off. That said, there is something about Greta Van Fleet that might be a turnoff to certain kinds of macho or semi-macho traditional rock metalheads. I have on this program talked about... All right, I'll be honest. I just called this a program. I was going to go back and edit that out, but it sounds so pompous and stupid, I'm going to leave it in there. So on this program that you're listening to on NPR or whatever, um, I've talked about some bands that I have really liked. One of them is the Georgia Thunderbolts, this great southern rock revivalist kind of band. Another is These Wicked Rivers, a band from across the pond. 
I'm really digging their album that they came out with last year. My buddy Stevie Flyth, who hosts On the Flyth, the podcast that somewhat inspired me to get involved and started in this. He's come across this band. I think it's called uh, Taming Siri, a, a Canadian band that he likes a lot and I've listened to and I dig their stuff, or at least some of their stuff too. But there's something that all three of those bands have in common, and that's that none of the dudes in those bands are going to be on a girl's poster in her bedroom or her dorm room or whatever. Look, one of the great things about the decline and fall of MTV is that non-conventionally attractive people are able to make music again. Rock and rollers aren't necessarily pretty all the time anymore. But that's also why they are rock and rollers and not rock stars. Or at least part of the explanation. You may or may not want the next big rock star to sound like Vince Neil. To have the talent of Vince Neil. But it wouldn't hurt if you want rock and roll to come back in a big way for the next big talent, not necessarily the star, but for the next big talent to look like Vince Neil. At least the young Vince Neil. Because if that talent does... There's a chance they won't be rock and rollers. They'll be rock stars. Going back to that Eddie Trunk anecdote that I talked about at the beginning. What do those three bands have? Well, the Struts has Luke Spiller, the vocalist who looks like he's stolen the charisma and much of the look of Freddie Mercury and that outlandishness, which is great visually. Ghost, which is my favorite of those three bands. I know that's a shot coming from a guy who likes Avatar and likes Alice Cooper the whole satanic pope outfit and look thing. I know I'm an old guy at this point, but I'm a sucker for it. And then there's Greta Van Fleet, which is just four good-looking guys. They look like they could be a boy band if that was their thing. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that they're universally attractive. If, for example, you're into the Man of War thing, if one of those guys got sick or had some sort of steroid problem... None of the dudes in Greta Van Fleet could step in for Man of War. None of the guys in Greta Van Fleet look like they might also be MMA fighters. That said, look, put it in quotes if you need to, but they're cute guys, okay? And I don't think that's negligible. I don't think that's something that has had no impact in getting Greta Van Fleet to the heights of popularity that they've achieved. It does matter. And as Greta Van Fleet goes forward, and to the extent that we can get rock music back into public consciousness, back just as popular music, it doesn't hurt, okay? Besides, this straight married man has probably reached his saturation point of how much he can talk about the physical forms of the members of Greta Van Fleet. So allow me to move on to the music, if you don't mind. The similarity to Led Zeppelin is obvious, and it's something I'm going to return to and it would almost seem to be undeniable. And it's mostly undeniable, except sort of for the members of Greta Van Fleet themselves. Sam Kiska was quoted as saying, yeah, that we hear that influence now, but really ACDC was a bigger influence on us growing up, which is absolutely absurd if you've ever listened to ACDC, Led Zeppelin, and Greta Van Fleet. Josh Kiska, the singer and the one who sounds so much like Robert Plant, was a little more diplomatic, I suppose, in Rolling Stone, where he said, obviously we hear the similarity, that's one of the influences of ours, but at this point, it's like, okay, we've acknowledged that, let's move on. Jay Scott, again, the host of the Hook podcast, 
who likes Greta Van Fleet a lot, even he acknowledged on the show one of the things he thinks that Greta Van Fleet has kind of missed the boat on, and I'm paraphrasing here, perhaps putting words in his mouth, is that they haven't handled this issue very well. They've kind of tried to stiff arm it in a way that perhaps isn't the best approach. For example, if I was the PR person for Greta Van Fleet, this is what I might write for them to come out and say in a major interview like Rolling Stone to try to put this to bed. For the sake of argument, I'm going to say that it's singer Josh Kiska who's making this statement. Here we go. I understand when people make the comparison between us and Led Zeppelin. Look, anyone who plays this type of music, there's a great chance that they love Led Zeppelin just like we do. We love and appreciate that band. And I'm sure that on some level, Led Zeppelin has rubbed off into what we do. I mean, that's been true for tons of bands. You look at Heart, for example. That is a band that was obviously hugely influenced by and arguably sometimes imitating Led Zeppelin. We're not doing that, or at least we're not doing it consciously. But there's something different about me than there is about Ann Wilson, for example. And that's my voice. But let's be honest. There's 7 billion people on planet Earth, and there's billions more who've died over the course of history. There's only so many ways for our genes to come together, and it just so happens that my voice I know resembles Robert Plant's voice in a way. I don't hear it the way all of you do, because like all of us, I hear my voice differently in my head than I do on recording, but... I do acknowledge, I suppose, that I sound like him somewhat, but I'm not trying to. That's just my normal singing voice. I think it would be weird for me to try to go up or to try to go down or to change it in some way to something else. I'm not going to start rapping or singing country to put a twang in to change it. That's just how I sound, and it's an accident of science and biology that I have a voice that's vaguely similar to Robert Plant's. I certainly don't mean it in a copycat kind of way or a, or a negative kind of way or an uncreative kind of way. That's just the way my voice is. If you can't get over that, I understand, but my voice is not inauthentic in a copying way. If I changed it, if I tried to sound different, that would be inauthentic. That would not be true to myself, true to my art. If he wanted to be a little snide at this point, he could say that any similarities to Led Zeppelin are just as accidental as the way Stairway to Heaven kind of sounds like at least part of that song Taurus by the band Spirit. Would that work? I don't know. But it certainly would be better than saying you're more influenced by ACDC, for God's sakes. However, that snide ending there does bring to mind a couple of other points that the Hook Rocks podcast that I've talked about made about Greta Van Fleet that does bear some commentary, I think. For example, they talk about how great Greta Van Fleet is live, or at least Jay does. Talks about how good they are live and how they really capture the room that he's seen them playing in. And I can't vouch for that one way or the other, but I'm sure that's right. If they were a powerful live act, that certainly goes a long way and would actually make me feel a whole lot more positive and upbeat about Greta Van Fleet. He also talks about how Greta Van Fleet is a group of songwriters. And they're not being accused of ripping anybody off from the actual songs, which is kind of a direct shot at Led Zeppelin, who we all love, right? But as I think Joe Perry once said, 
Jimmy Page put his name on a lot of things that he shouldn't have. And I think that's a hugely interesting point, because it's true. No one's accusing Greta Van Fleet of ripping off songs. Led Zeppelin did that. Led Zeppelin ripped off blues artists, among others. Jeff Beck certainly didn't speak to Jimmy Page for a long time. Stairway to Heaven is a much more complicated and different song than that you know, ridiculous lawsuit would lead you to believe. But there is at least a pretty significant similarity between how the two songs open. Whatever the accidents of similarity between the vocalist in the two bands and certainly the music. I mean, look, the guys are playing guitars and bass and drums. There's a lot of times going to be some similarity. It's just hugely amplified when the vocalist sounds so similar. But no one is accusing Greta Van Fleet of not writing original songs. I think that's important. I think that's a good point. And I suppose now that I'm getting to the point where it's almost really time for me to wrap up, I should talk at least a little bit more in depth about that. Greta Van Fleet has two albums to date. The first album came out in 2017. It was called From the Fires. It's actually an EP and an EP kind of added together. There was an original four-song EP, then this one came out with those four songs again and four new tracks. It's still almost, even with eight songs on it, it's almost still an EP because, you know, the total runtime is less than 33 minutes. But this is the album that that Led Zeppelin influence is really obvious. I've already talked a lot about Highway Tune, and maybe that's the most prevalent, most obvious example, but it could also just be because that's the first song I heard. You could have said the exact same thing about the very first song on it, Safari Song. Now, I know I've talked about two songs, one of them called Safari Song, the other one called Highway Tune. That's a little weird, especially since the first track isn't really anything about looking at elephants and rhinoceroses and boa constrictors or whatever you do on a safari. It just repeats the word mama about 40 or 50 times and is a traditional kind of rock song that you can imagine Robert Plant doing. But for whatever it lacks in originality, it's still really good. It's still one of those songs that could pass for a Led Zeppelin song in some sort of Led Zeppelin biopic, which is really good. That's a compliment. You couldn't say that about 99% of the other bands in the world. The last track on it is called Black Smoke Rising, and... Here's where you wonder if they're starting to get in a little bit of trouble. The very first line of the song talks about a tower. It's a message song. It's a political song. It's not particularly deep. But all in all, this first record, or two EPs combined to make a record, you have promise, you have hope, you have some optimism about where Greta Van Fleet's going. But so much of that was dashed with their second record. I mean, just listen to the pompousness and self-importance of its title. Anthem of the Peaceful Army. There's no Lemon song on this record. There's no Jermaica on this record. Greta Van Fleet is way too young to be this serious about their music. Just this lack of any kind of self-awareness and fun in Greta Van Fleet's music. I'm trying to talk about it here and I can... It makes me, I'm barely able to put sentences together. I think some of the things I've said in the past couple of seconds aren't sentences. Greta Van Fleet's second record is just such a nosedive. It's a band that maybe is a little bit aware 
of how they're being perceived as a Led Zeppelin copycat. And they respond by trying to make cashmere over and over, except just not as good. I take back a little bit of what I said because this took guts. This took cojones. In the, what I suppose is technically the fifth line of the very first song on the record, Kiska sings about going, and I quote, to wonderlands of ice and snow. How does one do that? How do you have all this controversy or whatever and then decide, to heck with it, we're going to ape from Immigrant Song 45 seconds into our second record. Famously, Jeremy Larson on Pitchfork gave Anthem of the Peaceful Army a 1.6 rating review. It's actually one of the more well-read reviews, probably, well, and certainly in recent memory. You can look it up for yourself. It's obviously scathing and talks about how soulless Greta Van Fleet is. It's probably unfair. A little unfair, at least. But based on recent evidence, it doesn't seem like Greta Van Fleet's going to take that criticism very seriously. As I told you at the outset, they do have a new album that's coming out. I think it's coming out on April 16th. It's going to be another warlike sort of album title. You know, we had Anthem of the Peaceful Army. The new one's going to be The Battle at Garden's Gate. They've released three songs from that forthcoming record, and they're all kind of in the same vein. And if anything, Kiska's voice is getting even higher. It's almost unlistenable. At least it's unlistenable for me. And I know that stings because I'm a bit of a Tom Kiefer apologist. But this is going way beyond Robert Plant. Maybe that's his plan. Maybe that puts a hole in my whole thing about the PR statement that he could give. He's just going to get even higher than Plant ever dreamed of getting. But based on these three new tracks, it's still kind of a weirdly pompous record for a bunch of kids from Michigan. I would not say that it's dumb music, but that doesn't mean it's good necessarily. Dumb music can actually be pretty good, and sometimes I wonder or worry in our current culture... If you're trying to be smart, you're going to actually sound extra dumb. I don't know. I don't think Greta Van Fleet's even bringing out the best in me. Let me close with one thought that I think needs to be said about Greta Van Fleet. The aforementioned The Hook Rocks podcast that talked about Greta Van Fleet that I've talked about on this show. One of the points made is that this is still a young band. This is still a growing band. They need time to mature and to develop and come into their own just like Led Zeppelin had. And I suppose that's true. That's certainly a fair argument. I I don't really have a counter to it. But here's the thing. There are reasons that people are willing to give Greta Van Fleet a chance. One of it is because they did sort of break through a little bit. And that's partly because they sound like Led Zeppelin a little, or a lot. And it's partly, as I talked about, that they're cute kids. But here's the other thing. The reason why a lot of people want to give Greta Van Fleet a chance is because they sound like Led Zeppelin. It makes you think that maybe they're going to be like Led Zeppelin. But I would argue there's really no evidence that there's any type of that musical growth or ability in this band. There isn't a physical graffiti just around the corner. There's not an in the evening coming from this group. To whatever degree they sound like Led Zeppelin, doesn't seem like there's a Jimmy Page in there. It doesn't sound like John Bonham is hiding in Greta Van Fleet. I really do wish them the best. I want to like them. Heck, I'd love for Led Zeppelin to come back. 
I would love to just like a band that really reminds me of them. But so far, I'm not there yet. And I'm not going to give them more chances to do that just because they sound like Zeppelin as opposed to, I don't know, Three Dog Night. Thanks for listening to this, the 21st episode of Well Disguised. I've kept up this every other Tuesday formula for a while. I will say that the next release Tuesday could be a busy one for me at work, and which maybe means that I have a little bit of uh, difficulty getting that episode out. I don't know. We'll see. Check in. Subscribe, whatever. That way you make sure, even if I miss my deadline, you won't miss the show when it comes out. I do enjoy this type of commentary, but I'd like to do some other things too, and I will just say that I have some baited hooks out in the water right now. I don't want to spoil or jinx anything before it happens, but maybe I'll have an interview or two or three or four in the not-too-far-distant future. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I also think that in the very near future, I'll be guesting on at least one other podcast. I'll certainly mention that on Twitter or whatever when the time comes, but I suppose I have a superstitious streak. I don't want to jinx anything until it happens, but I'll certainly let you know. Like I said, I'll be on Twitter and I'll let you know about that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for caring to listen. Even if you disagree with my opinion about Greta Van Fleet or anything else, I'm honored at least that you listen long enough to check it out. Have a good week. Have a good two weeks, whatever. Take care of yourselves and I'll talk at you soon. We come from the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun where the hot springs flow. You're welcome for that.